Welcome to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. Our next guest here on the Wellbeing Rebellion is John Hobson, CIO of Kellogg Europe since March 2019. John has been at Kellogg for 15 years, a career which has taken him to the company's US headquarters and includes roles spanning finance and IT. The common thread has always been his ability to partner closely with business stakeholders to identify and unlock business value through tech. John thrives on developing high performance teams, both within his own function, but also leveraging his strong and extensive networks. I first met John when he was a fellow panelist on stage at the DTX Tech Manchester Wellbeing panel and very quickly noticed that we were nodding furiously in agreement at the same things. So it's fair to assume that John is a fellow wellbeing rebel. We talk a lot about the importance of leaders and how central they are to the success of wellbeing implementation in the workplace. So I wanted to get him on the show to talk about his role as a leader and department head in an international organization. Just how stressed out are our leaders today and what can we do to help them? Let's find out, shall we? Welcome to the Wellbeing Rebellion, John. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, we at the Wellbeing Rebellion are focused on mental health, well-being, um, culture, all that kind of stuff and leadership. So it's such a, a privilege to speak to someone who is in the trenches, as it were, and is actually doing the work of leading a significant business organization and, and managing employees and doing it in this really tricky time. So I really look forward to our conversation. But before we get into all that kind of stuff, we are always here talking about our personal experiences as well as looking at things from a theoretical corporate point of view. But I wanted to know if you have had any experiences personally, either yourself or anyone you know or care for, with uh, poor mental health that you'd be willing to share with us on the, on the Wellbeing Rebellion. I think the answer is yes. Um, I personally think that, that that would be the answer for pretty much everybody if they felt comfortable being open and talking about it. Um, I So I, I've experienced both ways. So I, I, I lost a really good friend two years ago um, who was really struggling. Well, actually, he was struggling with his mental health. We didn't really realise that, um, obviously, until it was too late. So I have a very personal... Yeah, experience from that side um but even me personally i mean it, it's i think it's it can be quite easy to think of leaders as people who actually they're completely fine there's no problem you know that you, you have that kind of facade or the or the view you have of people but um yeah if i speak about me individually as a person i'm a very yeah, you know, I'm an achiever, obviously, to get to the position I'm at, and I have very high standards for myself. So, um, when I think that I haven't met those standards for whatever reason it might be, um, 
I find that difficult, right? So I, I will hold myself very strongly to account. And there's been periods in my life where that's really pushed me quite low down in terms of how I felt about myself, how I felt about how things are going. Um, so it's really been something that over the years I, I've, I've been able to learn kind of how to, how to identify when that happens and some of the strategies that I have to use for myself to kind of avoid that, right? So whether it be talking to individuals who I know will say the right things, give me the right boost, whether it's almost looking myself in the mirror and say, hold on a minute, you know, you're being too hard on yourself here or, or leaning on your family and, and, and things like that. So definitely I'm not somebody who would sit here and say, no, I'm completely fine the whole time. I've never, mm -hmm. never been in a bad place. That that would not be true. So, uh, And thank you for sharing that. I mean, your point about if everybody's honest, they know that they've touched on um, mental health health to some extent at some point in their life it's unlikely that you've gotten away totally scot-free. But having lost a friend, I, was that losing a friend to suicide? It was, yeah, yeah. Is that something that you'd be willing to talk a bit more about how that affected you or actually the circumstances around it? Because you've said you none of you were aware as a, it came as a surprise or a shock to you. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I think what it did... Aside of the kind of shock and the pain that comes with it and the sadness and all those things that that came around, I think um, what it really brought home very strongly to me as a as a as a man, if you like, as a father, as a husband was the amount of people who cared about that individual, the amount of people who were distraught, who were impacted by that. And therefore, the amount of support that was actually there for him, um, that probably he didn't realise or he didn't appreciate or, you know, hadn't quite recognised, I guess. And, and, and that brought it home very, very strongly to me around, you know, it doesn't matter how low you get, I guess, you know, in, you have to always take a step back and think about what's the most important thing in your life, really. And, and a lot of the time, I think what you... Um, maybe what you, where your self-doubt or your criticism or, or that that thing that drives you down a little bit, often that's that's things that really when you when you take a step back and think about it, they're not really the most important things in your life, right? Um, mm -hmm. If it's all about work, if it's something that you maybe think you could have done better, something that's not going quite as well as it could be, you know, if you take a step back and think about your loved ones, your family, your friends, your kind of the basics, um if you take yourself back there, I think for me at least, it, it's very, it's something that I find as a platform that's very helpful to really say, you know what, you know, be grateful for those things, and and it kind of recenters me and regrounds me a little bit. So, it helped to give you a sense of perspective. Yeah, for me at least, perspective I think is the the big piece that you lose when you get yourself into a, a dark place, right? I think it's that sense of perspective, um, and to some extent, sometimes you can never regain that sense of perspective, right? And I think that's what happened with my friend. You know, he didn't he didn't get there. Uh, but I think for me, it's it's how can you how can you build in those strategies and uh, mechanisms that allow you to make sure that you always come back to that sense of perspective, at least in some way, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I like that that way of looking at 
the 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 downward <laughs> inward spiral of burnout which is how much of a loss of perspective have you got because i know when i was right in the throes of stage 2 plus stage 3 burnout before it became you know suicidal ideation all the time it was that loss of perspective the fact that i wasn't doing as well as i wanted to was the only thing that mattered to me and the fact that i was excelling in every other area was completely irrelevant in fact it only served to prove that i should be doing better at this one area that i wasn't doing well at and yeah, yeah the 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 thing is that it's so easy when you're healthy when you're well when um you are working to keep yourself mentally fit and strong it's so easy for us to say so you just have to make sure you've got checks and balances to maintain that sense of perspective when you're not well when you have let it go on for too long when you don't have support systems in place when you are hiding stuff it just is it's so hard to pull yourself out of it absolutely yeah yeah and I think that's where you really do have to rely on, yeah, rely on support structures and and yeah. As I say, it doesn't always it doesn't always work, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so and that's that's why we're here because it it's something that you do need to rely on others to help spot for you. Yeah, and that's why we focus so much at Aurora on how you can upskill the capability in your leaders to support that process. Yeah. And it's even more crucial now because it seems this is a time when everybody is stressed. Every email that I get from um, an HR magazine, like People Magazine or HR Magazine Online, always has one article about how people are getting more burnt out or more stressed or more angry. Um, you look at the instances of road rage, even just meaningless violence, uh, and you see it seems like culturally we did not come out of the pandemic smelling of roses if you cast your mind back i don't know if everybody else listening remembers this there was a kumbaya kind of moment in the pandemic wasn't there when it was must have been spring summer 2020 and it was starting to be you know we're almost getting used to lockdown we were starting to notice, oh my goodness, look at the pollution. It's really come right down now that there's no cars. Um, the, there's fish uh, uh, spawning in rivers that haven't had fresh fish spawning for years. Oh, it's wonderful, actually, what happens when we take life slowly. And then there was the whole, well, we need to support our, um, our support workers. Who's looking after the heroes? And let's care for our neighbors and all of that. And there was such a, a feeling of goodwill towards everybody. And we thought, at least I did, maybe naively, in fact, definitely naively, that if that was the legacy of the pandemic, if it took the world to come to a complete standstill in order for us to learn how to be decent people afterwards, if we came out of the pandemic knowing that it's better to love thy neighbor, then okay, maybe this was worth it, right? But we've come out the pandemic and very quickly we've forgotten about this. And we're just we're just also stressed, so angry because there's new problems, new pressures. The DDI, that's the Development Dimensions International, 
they've done a global leadership forecast of 2023. And they've had a look at how leaders are feeling and faring in the workplace. They said that leaders are still facing high rates of burnout. So nearly 10% more business leaders feel more burnt out now than they did compared to the previous peak, which was in May 2020. And only 15% of leaders feel prepared to prevent their employees from burning out. So we've got a problem in the workplace here where we, we thought the pandemic was the worst of it, but it seems that it's, it's not improved. In fact, it's getting worse. Is this something that you're all recognizing feeling in the workplace? Yeah, and, and it's interesting, right? Because I, I guess when I, when I think about the legacy of the pandemic or kind of what I see coming out of it, I actually, I, I see some real positives coming out of it, right? Around, mm-hmm. it needed kind of human leadership, right? Empathetic leadership. That was something that was important for the pandemic. We really saw the lines blurring between kind of you, when you're at work, when you're at home, you know, people really, I mean, coming back to that human leadership part of it, you know, you knew you knew your team's families, you knew what their home life, you know, you people got much closer from that point of view, right? And and which I think A, I think was necessary to get us all through it. But I think also it brought a lot of positives for us in terms of how we work. Now we come out the other side of that, and then you kind of lob in, like you said, the just the sheer amount of change that is happening in the world today in the pace of it, all those things. I think we've almost seen, and I've seen this myself in, there's almost been two different kind of angles, right? One angle is the kind of leaders and the organisations that almost say, actually, I want to rewind the clock back to before that. So, right, I want you to be in the office five days a week, four days a week. Um, so we're kind of back to the back to the reality. Um, I think as a leader, I think that's quite almost easy, right? Like you, you, you're back to... You can easily go back to an old school kind of leadership style if you're back into that way, but I think it can create quite a lot of frustration within yeah within the team. I think the other way, which which is kind of what I've experienced and kind of how I've liked to let it or thought about it is, you stick with that kind of more hybrid way of operating, which means those work and home lines they still kind of remain blurred. Um, what that has resulted in is. As a, if you just think as a people leader, you're much closer to your team, right? You, you, you understand what's going on with them. You're, you're giving permission and fee, people feel the permission and the openness to be able to share the challenges they, they have, actually, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, whatever it might be. And on top of that, there's a lot of change, right? It's a lot of change, a lot of things happening. Therefore, there's a lot more things happening in people's lives, again, whether it be a work or whether it be a home. And I think so almost out of something really positive in my mind, this kind of, the, you know, the rise of much more empathetic leadership now has put ourselves in a position where we're actually the expectation, the amount of emotion and the amount of need that now sits on people leaders today is, is, is so much different to what it was in the past. And what I'm not sure we've yet done is really really worked out how we deal with that 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 is so spot on in my view when we were 
just coming out of the pandemic, I started talking about the fact that there needs to be a new style of leadership required. We need, as you call it, empathetic, emotionally intelligent leadership. So that's why we we developed a program called the rise of the new leader, because that is this new world requires new leadership skills that they were always secondary to the manager skills um, that were trained and reinforced and lauded pre-pandemic. Um, and yeah, now you still have to do the management job of people management, but you have this new dimension that's been added on top, which is people leadership, which is actually, I think, a very forward thinking, very dynamic and um, opens up a whole load of potential um, in your employees if done right. But it, it's not something that we have, as you say, equipped most people to do, either in terms of upskilling, uh, training and coaching, or even in, in terms of looking at your job spec and how much time you are given to do that work you're just expected to do so much more as a people leader in an organization today. But I'm not entirely sure that most companies have allowed for that in your work allocation and whether they have focused sufficiently on recognizing that not everybody knows how to do it naturally. I know most organizations that's not the case because you think it's straightforward, right? It's like I always say, oh, it's learning how not to be a it's not that straightforward, is it? It's more, there's more to it than that. It's me being facetious. But to know how to not cross boundaries when you're caring for your employees, how to leave work at work and, and still manage to, to, to be able to care about them, to not overstep from leader to coach or counselor i mean this isn't you think it's oh it's natural you know what to do but it's not necessarily the case people do need to be trained and what happens when they they aren't and they don't feel equipped is that they avoid doing it and that just causes many more problems right and the reality is we're still running a business right so we're not running a charity so therefore that there's a balance that you have to strike here right so yes we as a leader, as a people leader, the right thing to do is to be there for your team, you know, to be open, to listen, to coach, to mentor, all those good things, right? Um, but at the same time, there needs to be a there needs to be a line, right? I think where the difficulty is is again coming out of the pandemic, where really there was almost no line, right? Because you know everybody. Everything was so intertwined. Everything was so tough for everybody. Yeah, you, you would keep going all the way to support your team, right? Certainly, I'd say if I'd spoke for myself or even my the leaders that I have in my team, you know, they would absolutely go the extra mile to, to help people, right? Absolutely do that. Um, and it wasn't really a question. I think the challenge now is, um, is there almost a need to somehow say, actually, how do we... How do we reset this in the right way, right? Well, what is almost what is that that part where being a people leader stops and 
okay, now I'm acting as a friend and therefore it's something outside or, or whatever, I don't know. But that's the big unlock, right? That is, I think is very, very difficult to, it's very difficult to do, right? So how do you gauge it? I'll be honest, I, I, I'm not sure I do a great job of it myself, to be honest with you. I, um, I, I would feel very uncomfortable just almost withdrawing and saying, you know, I hear you, but I'm not interested. You know, that's nothing to do with you working, working for me. Go and talk to somebody else about that. You know, that that would not be my, that would not be my style. And I don't think that should be anybody's style. To be fair, I think this is exactly the challenge. You know, we're we're in a different place where, and again, as I say, for me, it's it's absolutely right, and it's a positive development that people would feel so much more comfortable opening up about challenges and difficult topics at work now than they than they would have done maybe four years ago, five years ago, right? I think it's I think it's fantastic. And it's not even actually the time that it takes that I think is the challenge. I think it's often the emotional toll that it takes, right? It, it's it's you know, it is tough to you know, to, to to support support people within your organization or your team that are struggling with something. It takes an emotional toll on you, right? Um, and ultimately then, okay, where do you, where do you push that emotion to, right? Um, often as a people leader, there's nowhere to go with it. So, um, I do think that's a large part of the, the struggle and the, and the pressure that I see on people leaders today is just that, you know, I'm, I'm taking a lot of on myself. It feels like the right thing to do. I want to do that, but I can feel it's a lot for me to handle. and I'm not quite sure how to. How, how to deal with that, right? And uh, I think that's such a brilliant point because if leaders are burning out, it could be because they're taking on too much of the emotional burden, but it does feel like the right thing to do. Like that's that's what leadership is, right? However, even us as therapists and coaches, I'm always careful to ensure that I have weekly sessions with with mine, with my therapist, so that I can have the person who is, again, remote from the situation, who I can offload my emotional burden to. Um, but there isn't that position in, a, in an organisation. Um, often you guys have to, to, to just be strong and grin and, and bear it. But you, you, we have to not forget leaders are people. Yeah. So you do need some kind of clinical supervision or something, not exactly clinical supervision, but somewhere where you can, you can share in confidence without breaking anybody else's confidence some of the, the difficult challenges that you have. Um, and it is it is possible in a, in any organisation to structure that, but you need to recognise the need. So I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah, and I think and, and honestly, in my my own personal experience, we yeah we have, we have HR business partners who do a wonderful job of this, right? So they will make themselves available. They are they are excellent sounding boards, right? So we do have individuals who will absolutely do that, and and I'd say plus. There's a lot of a lot of peers that you might have within the organisation that equally would be more than happy to, to do that, right? So I'd say 
yeah, we, yeah, where I work, we have a culture that would very much support that. However, having said that, um, what all that assumes is that you're open and ready to go and seek somebody out. You, you feel very comfortable to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure everybody necessarily feels like that. Um, so, and again, I think some of that comes back to almost that confidence in what your role is and, and, and what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. You know, what am I breaching a confidence? Am I not? You know, how can I, how can I work in that world? Right. So, which I think, as I say, is it's something which probably five years ago was, was very rare that as a people leader, you'd face that kind of a situation. Um, whereas I think today it, it's quite common actually. And again, for me, that's a good thing in the sense that what it means is, you know, employees are, are feeling like they can come to their people leader and share challenges, which makes it more likely that that challenge is going to be addressed in the right way, right? So, so it's all great that the challenge is, okay, are we really doing enough to make sure that people are fully supported to go through that? It, it's a bit like um, when companies... Uh, got on board with the concept that it's okay not to be okay and make sure you come to us and our doors are always open a little bit they put the horse before the cart because what you need to think through is okay what happens if people come and tell me about their problems is there a responsibility for a leader to manage respond differently to an, a problem that's work-based than they would to a problem that's personal for instance how far can they go what do, what do we do to make sure leaders themselves aren't taking stuff home that they shouldn't be taking home. Um, and I think we're now starting to address that because of the sheer scale of leadership burnout, because we need to support all of our employees <laughs> to make sure that everybody has the ability to, to come home from work feeling fulfilled, safe, content and healthy. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly, exactly, yeah. So how can companies say the the HR leaders listening, how can they make sure that their leaders are equipped to cope with this new responsibility so that they don't struggle with burnout or emotional apathy or anything like that? What can what can they do to support their business leaders in the tricky balancing act of managing the um mental well-being, emotional well-being of their team members? I mean, I, I think I think you have to start actually with the importance of, of again, you know, human leadership, empathetic leadership. But, I mean, some organisations will not value that, right, necessarily, right? It sounds a little bit crazy in some ways, but some organisations would say, actually, that's not... That's not necessarily a priority for me. And I think if that's the case, it's a different thing. I think you have to start with, you know, the importance of that. Why is it important to have that and what that then will lead into in terms of, you know, everybody can bring them best self to work. They can do their best work. They're going to be the most, bring the most value, the most productivity, all that good stuff, right? Um, but I think if you start there, then you drop into, I think there's a need to really think about how do we 
yeah, how do we build capability in people in people leaders, and what does be building capability in people leaders mean today? Because I think what it means today is something very different to what it meant again five years ago. So it's kind of thinking about um, how we how we build resilience into our you know, into our people. Yeah, how do we have those difficult conversations? How do we support? But actually, when does it become something that you need to ask for help? And and I guess then go into okay, well, do you know where to go to ask for help? You know, what is that? What is that individual or that organisation or that group of people within your company where you can go with that kind of challenge? Um, because I think again, where I always come back to is, and this is based on my own experiences, everyone wants to do the right thing, right? So every people leader wants to help the people in their team they want to say the right thing they want to they want to help on a human level where i think people sometimes can struggle is not knowing not knowing what to do or almost thinking i don't i'm i'm not i'm not a trained professional therefore i'm worried i'm going to say the wrong thing am i going to upset somebody am i going to that that's the thing that the things that are always going through people's heads and i think to get quite simple and say actually if you listen and say look i I hear all this. I'm not an expert, but we uh, we have these individuals. We have this program. We have this here and there, which is available to you. You know, c- can we start exploring something like that to, to understand that it's okay to, you know, to go and ask a professional, go and ask somebody who is trained. Um, I think there are lots of things around that, but I do think it comes back to awareness and capability building for the people leaders in your organisation, so that they they feel much better prepared. To manage their team but also manage themselves and the and their own emotion around it yeah absolutely love that response it is a bit like leaders today are being expected to navigate without a roadmap of any sort and the roads and routes have completely changed have new um traffic conditions uh there's roadworks in the in the uh, roads that they would have taken normally and it's just it's a very challenging journey of leadership and we haven't given them the right map or the map we gave them is 10 years out of date so uh, the job you guys in hr have is to give them a map that works preferably digitalized like sat nav that's ever evolving just give them the skills to be able to to manage regardless of whether the problem is mental well-being uh financial well-being whether it's because it's an edi issue or it doesn't matter what the issue is you need to to be able to give your leaders the tools that they could address these problems with their employees comfortably that's it that's it. I think the other thing for me that it's important actually is if you're a people leader, I don't think your role is necessarily going to change, right? So I don't think anybody's going to come and go, well, now you're spending more of your time you know, on people management, therefore I'm going to remove some of your responsibility to allow you to do that. I don't think that's going to happen, right, to be very honest. Um, so therefore, what is important then? I think there's two things that are important. One thing is allow people to have the the skills, the capabilities to know where to go, to allow them to really manage that part of their accountability in their role in the most efficient way. 
But I think the second thing is to really recognise the role that they, the role that they play and the job that they do. Right. Um, I think people leaders in the organisation are, they play such a such a critical role to look after the people of the organisation, which at the end of the day, that's what an organisation is. Right, is the people that it has. So I think sometimes, sometimes people leaders can be under under recognised for the key role that they do every day. So I think as a, the more you can do to really recognise that. And to make people feel appreciated and, and kind of seen, if you like, I think that can also go a long way. I think that's that's important too. I would challenge you though on the um, the role of the people leader is never going to change. We've worked with one organisation in Cumbria, giving you guys a shout out. You know who you are. After they went through this training with us, they realised this is going to take more time than we had anticipated. Let's look at the role that we have for these leaders. Where's the fat that we can trim? How can we do this more efficiently? And some things did shift so that they had a set process for all leaders will meet this often with their direct reports and will use these tools to make sure that they're having these sensitive well-being conversations. And it, it did change to facilitate the necessary and make sure that it happens. Um, it doesn't drastically change. It's not suddenly, oh, you're not responsible anymore for bringing in any sales revenue or anything like that. But it, it did, there were small adjustments that you may need to make to the role. Um, and certainly making sure that the, somewhere in the, in the top one to three responsibilities is that of making sure that leaders understand they are responsible for bringing the best out of their direct reports. I don't want to say you're responsible for the emotional well-being of your reports because it's it's more broad than that. And at the end of the day, we're each responsible for how we feel, right? Um, but your job as my boss is to create an environment in which I can thrive. That's how you do your work. Um, that needs to be one of the the main things that is recognized rewarded in line managers role and then there's the other part which is for a long time companies have allowed poor managers to get away with bad leadership bad behavior um and that speaks volumes it's often people who are lone wolves who happen to be in a position of people leadership because they they are you know stars in that department that function um but their influence over their team is negative and it and it goes unpunished that stuff needs to start being called out that that needs to be recognized there's rewards for good leadership but poor leadership that that negatively influences the well-being and the performance of the rest of the team cannot be allowed to just slide on the basis that that person can bring in the results or has the goods no absolutely and i think um that's why one of the things i like about where i work today is that we are I would, and again, I'm never going to sit here and say there are no individuals like that, right? Because that is very difficult to say. But, um, you know, we talk very much around, you know, we, we would, 
rate somebody's performance based on what they've done, but also on how they've done it. Um, and we really live to that, right? So if, if you yeah, if you deliver everything that you're expected to do, but you leave, uh, you know, you leave leave kind of chaos and uh, crashes in your wake, th- that is not an acceptable way to operate. Um, how you do things is as, is as important as as what you do. Um, so, and again, I, I I always bring everything back to I think if you if you lead people in a human way, I think people respond to that, and you get much better better results and to me that means yeah it means it's not just about what you deliver you have got to deliver the results right that's the reality again we're a business but there are different ways to do that and i think doing it in the right way i think is super important so yeah i love it thank you so much john but before i let you go i'm going to ask you our signature question (laughs) go on then (laughs) are you ready brace yourself i'm ready go for it okay as a fellow well-being rebel, yeah, what is the one thing you could change, if you could, that would improve workplace well-being? What's one thing that you would change to improve workplace well-being? Now you asked me a very difficult question. If I could wave a magic wand and make everybody understand and truly feel empowered to do the things that actually they really are empowered to do within their role i think that would immediately improve things massively and by that i mean you don't need to go into that meeting that you kind of think you don't need to be on but you think you've got to be there because otherwise somebody's going to say why you weren't you there well look you're empowered to not go and that creates your time you're empowered to say I'm doing this piece of work because somebody's told me to do it, but I really don't understand why and I don't think it makes sense. You're empowered to say, actually, let's talk about this, why it isn't, right? I think the amount of time wasted, stress, kind of general general unease created by people spending time doing things that they don't really think they understand why or they should be, I think is is enormous. I think that would be my thing. Wave a magic wand so everybody says, no, I'm not doing anything unless I really get why I'm doing it and it makes a difference. Um, I love that. I love that. That's brilliant. Banish all shoulds and get comfortable saying no. Wise words. Exactly. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Continue doing the brilliant work that you're doing, John. Yeah, thank you very much. If there were more leaders, then we wouldn't have as big a problem as we have today. So thank you. Cheers and goes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues, follow us on LinkedIn. The link will be in the show notes and generally show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.